Seated in God's wonderful, wonderful presence. Choir, you guys are too much. God bless you. Hallelujah. Okay, uh, Philippians chapter 3 is what we'll be looking at today. I hope you've had time to look through it so that it will be easy for us to go along. Okay, uh, let me remind us that the book of Philippians is Paul's letter from prison. Hope you haven't forgotten that. He's in a Roman jail and his freedom was withdrawn from him, not by choice. He was compelled to be in prison, just like a good number of us whose freedoms in one way or another have been curtailed from us 
withdrawn from us, not by our own choice. So Paul, through Paul, through uh, in this letter to the people of Philippi, uh, which he dictated through his uh, protege Timothy, focuses his attention on God, focuses his attention on internal joy, and his attention on others. Three things that Paul focused on. God, internal joy, and others. Let us begin from verse 1 of Philippians chapter 3. Are you with me? Are you with me? I will be reading from the New Living Translation. And I hope that as we are going through this study, you are using different translations to enhance your understanding. It's so sweet studying the Bible from different translations, not just from King James. There are are translations that amplify the word of God. So I read Philippians chapter 3 verse 1 from the New Living Translation. This time I will use different translations depending on what I want to stress. Are you with me? Whatever happens, my dear brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. I never get tired of telling you these things and I do it to safeguard your faith. Notice what he says. Whatever happens, brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. Fountain of living waters, whatever happens, rejoice in the Lord. Paul is talking about protecting and safeguarding your faith. While we are in this, how do I put it, in this season of uncertainty, you know, there's so much uncertainty around. I don't know what season you are in, whatever season you are in, but I do know that there's so much uncertainty around. Uncertainty about political uh, 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 stability, uncertainty about economy, uncertainty even about the faith. I mean, with the the advent of social media, you see people saying different things, all manners of things. There's so much confusion. Somebody was saying yesterday, somebody was saying, "Ah, but all the prophecy now, they prophesied that Trump will win. All the prophecy. He said to him, please leave prophecy alone. Let God be true and all men liars. I'm not saying that those who prophesied are fake prophets. But sometimes God just wants to show that there's a wide gap between him and men. A very wide gap. Does that make sense? In all of these uncertainties, brethren, safeguard your faith. Different doctrines, different theologies. Brethren, what? Safeguard your faith. And not only guard your faith, but notice Paul's command or instruction. 
that whatever happens, rejoice in the Lord. It's not an encouragement. It's not, it's not an advice. It's not an opinion, but it is an instruction. What is instruction? Rejoice in the Lord. Paul is insisting that joy is the solution to whatever happens to us. Church, are you listening to me? In other words, joy is a choice. Is a choice. You can either let joy frame your world, or you can let your world frame your joy. There's a difference. There's a difference. Allowing your joy to frame your world is the better thing. And the joy of the Lord, Nehemiah chapter 8 verse 10, is what? Your strength. This subject of joy has been repeated in our study of this book of Philippians. And we should not be tired of hearing it as... This is the secret of protection and safeguarding of our faith. I'm aware that people are going through all manners of challenges. And it may not be an easy time. I know that it may not be an easy time to rejoice in your circumstances. But church, whatever you are going through, whatever circumstances you find yourself, I am telling you this morning, choose joy. Do what? choose joy. That is the only way to avoid going down the rabbit hole of depression and hopelessness. That's the only way. That's the only way. And one of the ways to be joyful is to be thankful. Be thankful. Let's take away from ourselves this this sense of entitlement. God does not owe you. Brother Shola was praying this morning. There's something he said. He said that even if you did not do something for us, what would we do? Will you arrest God? Will you arrest him? Damn alone now. Let's take away this sense of entitlement. You know, I just got thinking yesterday. And I remember when I came to Lagos. I came to Lagos with something a little just better than a paper bag. Selophim bag. When I, I can remember clearly. I can remember when I was coming, I was wondering, my host, will they welcome me well? Will I be able to stay? I remember when I was moving from, I, I, I've shared the story with you now, I was in Ajangbadi. And I told myself that if I continue like this, I would die. So I moved out. I went to stay with a friend. I remember all that. But look at today, and not just me, a good number of us, Today, we have a network of friends. Today, we, 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 if you look back to where you are coming from, you will have no other reason than to say, God, thank you. I may not be where I want to be. You may not be where you want to be. But the fact that you are not where you started from is a testimony to the fact that God who brought you from there to here can also take you from here to there. 
choose John. It may not seem to make sense. But what? Choose joy. Choose joy. Oh, pastor. See how broken the nation is. See how bad the economy is. See how there is so much confusion, even in the church. How can I have joy under the circumstances? Are you listening to me? I am not asking you to have joy in the circumstances. I am asking you to have joy in the Lord. Psalm 34 verse 8 says, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusted in God. And this is in part why the church is fasting and praying for 30 days in this month of November. You know what we are trying to do? We are trying to move away from the defensive into the offensive. You don't live a life of defense. Sometimes the best way to defend yourself is to do what? To attack. Probably I'm not a part of the fast because you're saying, or you are feeling God has not done enough for you or he has abandoned you. <laughs> Second Chronicles chapter 7 verse 14 says, If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and what? Pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. I will hear from heaven and I will heal their land. Prayer is an act of humility. Fasting is an act of humility because you are humbling your flesh you are putting your flesh under. Pastor, I don't think that scripture is referring to me because I'm not wicked. It says, turn from your wicked ways. I don't do wicked things. <laughs> Maybe you haven't read in the Bible that the heart of man is deceitful above all things. And what? Desperately wicked. I think that's in Jeremiah Jeremiah chapter 17, I think so. Jeremiah 19 or Jeremiah 17. Now, right after Paul instructs his people to rejoice, he warns them about certain types of people. Are you following me? Hope you read it. He warns them about certain types of people. Philippians chapter 3 verse 2 this time around. Paul says, are you listening? Look out for the dogs. Look out for the evildoers. Look out for those who mutilate the flesh. New Living Translation, yeah. Look out for mutilators. King James Version says, beware of dogs. Paul, by talking about dogs, is referring to the ultra, what word would I use? The ultra-legal believers who were trying to impose restrictions on the Gentiles 
restrictions that were over and above or beyond what God was asking them to do. And I'm sure you have met such people. People who tell you that if you don't pray for two hours every day or have a night vigil every night, you are not a believer. Good to pray. It's good to have vigils. I'm just using that as an analogy. People tell you that you must not use instruments to worship God because worship is solemn. It must be solemn. You've met such people, haven't you? People who tell you that, ah, the only real Bible is King James. If you don't read from King James, you have strayed. You are no longer in the faith. These were people in Paul's time that were teaching new believers that it is not enough to believe in Christ or enough to confess him, but that for you to be truly saved, even though you are an adult male, you must go through the act or the practice or, or ritual of circumcision. Are you seeing such idiocy? But they are bound today. That is why I gave you those examples. So. They say you are not saved though if you have not been circumcised. Whether you are 60 something years old and you receive Christ at the age of 65. They say you must go and circumcise. These are people who believe more in rituals than faith in the finished work. They have a form of godliness but yet they deny the power thereof. Paul says, be careful. Church, are you listening to me? Anytime anyone adds the word and after the name of Jesus, be watchful. I'm sure you don't understand me. If you are sleeping, wake up. To show you are not sleeping, can you repeat what I just said? Anytime anyone adds and after the name of Jesus, watch out. It is Jesus. It is not Jesus and. Salvation requires Jesus and nothing else. Do you understand me, church? Salvation is not Jesus and deliverance. Beware when people tell you that for your salvation to be complete, you must not only believe in Jesus, but you must also go for deliverance. Am I beginning to make sense now? I say it is not Jesus and it is Jesus and nothing. All you need is Jesus to be saved. I'm not saying deliverance is not important, but deliverance does not make you saved. Does that make sense? Please. Be careful of people who say to you, 
for you to be a Christian, you have to go to this particular church or belong to this particular political party or vote for this particular hmm. They say to you, for you to be a real Christian, you have to dress in a particular way. Oh yes, you must be decent in your dressing. You must dress in such a way that shows you have respect for your own self. But let nobody legislate to you that only when you dress in a particular way and there's a bow, that is when you're a Christian. Watch out. For anyone who adds the word and to Jesus. So what was Paul doing there? Paul was addressing legalism. People who say you must do it the way I do it. He calls them three things. Dogs. You know that dogs in scripture was a derogatory word. Or is it a derogatory word that is used in scripture? One example is the Jews usually use it against Gentiles. They call the Gentiles dogs. You remember the woman that said to Jesus that even the crumbs that fall from the table, that, how did she say it again? That even dogs eat of the crumbs that fall from the table. She was not a Jew. She was a Gentile. But this time around, we see Paul is turning the word back and using it against the Jews who were being legalistic. That somebody has been in church for so long does not mean that they don't have this seed of legalism. That is why you have to be what? Watchful. You have to be watchful. Then he calls them evil workers. When he called them evil workers, he was making reference to their confidence in their works. You know, when people say things like, look at me. Look at how I live my life for Jesus. Look at what I do for Jesus. Look at my practices. Rather than trusting in Christ alone and the grace of God, they were letting their work be a stipulation to get them into heaven. And Paul shoots down that prospect down. He shoots it down immediately when he calls them evil workers. Then he called them mutilators. You see, he was not just talking about them mutilating the body through acts of uh, ritual of circumcision. He was also talking about them mutilating the gospel distorting it to make it fit them. You know there are people like that. They distort the word of God to suit what they are doing. Somebody says, if God cannot stop me from sinning, then so be it. Because he has every power. Oh, my show. So, be careful. Because there are dogs evil workers and mutilators around who are trying to get their message across. Don't bite. Don't fall for it. Are you there? 
people who manipulate through dreams and tell you you must do things that are unscriptural for you to be alive. Don't buy it. Don't fall for it. Paul's main point is, are you listening to me? If I'm going to boast on anything, I'm going to boast in a holy boast in God and in God alone. Now, without a doubt, Paul had a lot of reasons to boast in himself. Listen to him, verse 4, Philippians chapter 3. And I read it from the English Standard Version because that brings it out more. Verse 4 of Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3, verse 4, I read. It says, Though I myself have a reason for confidence in the flesh also, if anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. Are you following me? Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law, a Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. Whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. Now, Paul is making it clear to us here that he has every reason to boast. Do you understand that? I have every reason to boast. What do you have that I don't have? What have you accomplished that I haven't accomplished? That is what he's trying to make us understand here. A Hebrew of Hebrews. What a resume. A Hebrew of Hebrews. Meaning, a devout group of Hebrews there were. Paul says, he's a Pharisee. What he was trying to say is that he's scrupulously devoted to the law. A zealot. What he was saying that I'm not just morally superior to most people, but I'm willing to fight for my morality. He was a zealot. He had zeal. He's of the tribe of Benjamin. You know the way in Nigeria, they say that some people have a born-to-rule mentality. You know that, huh? They feel that they are right. He says he's of the tribe, a tribe of Benjamin, a tribe of prominent leaders in Israel. That is where he's going. So where are you coming from that you can match me? Finally, he says he's blameless. You know, not necessarily saying he's morally perfect, but you can't, you can't bring reproach against me. I am following the law and the rules to the letter. Have you met such people when you were in school? You are looking for this guy, you told him to do something, he didn't do it, and you are looking for a way to get him. You are looking for a way, but you can't get him. Church, are you with me? Paul was saying, I'm in the right. Any which way you want to look at it, I'm in the right. I'm following the right laws. I belong to the right race. 
in the right occupation, pursuing the right zeal. Everything about me is what? Right. But he chooses not to boast in any of these, but only in what? In Christ. Church, are you seeing where I'm going to? You guys are too quiet. When you are quiet like that, it's like sleep is taking over. Are you following me? Can you encourage me this morning? Are you being blessed? And I believe that there's not a more relevant time than now than to talk about this. Because there's, 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 there's so much surge in our society right now to claim or be proud of one's identity and accomplishments, even in the church. People have placed so much premium on what they have accomplished in life, on their identity. Do you know who I am? Even if they don't say it with those words, their attitudes show it. Do you know who I am? You know, we sometimes look down on people who don't look like us. People who don't think like us. People who don't talk like we do. It's a subconscious bias that if you are not careful, you'll be caught in it. We need to be very, very clear on our identity. Very clear. Do you understand me? As believers, we need to be very clear on our identity. Because oftentimes we are letting our pedigree, we are letting our culture, we are letting our status, we are letting our exposures shape our Christianity rather than let our Christianity shape our culture, our status, our exposure, our pedigree. We are supposed to be Christians first. We are supposed to be what? Christians first. Yeah, I see that. You know, heat has a way of lulling people to sleep. We have come to the hot season. Ah, so many people sleeping. Pillow day. Should I stop? Where did I stop? We are supposed to be Christians first. We are supposed to be Christians first. Not, I am an educated Christian. That is wrong. It should be rather, I am a Christian that is educated. I am an Igbo Christian. No. It should be, I am a Christian who is Igbo. Or Yoruba or Hausa. If I say I am a Christian who is educated, you know what that means? I put my Christianity and my belief in Christ first. Do you understand? If I say I am a Christian who is Igbo, I am putting my Christianity and my belief in Christ first. But if I say I am an educated Christian, I am putting my education before my relationship with Christ. And it matters. 
It is a matter of which birth, the first birth or the second birth, which is more important to you. Which comes first. So Paul lists all the adjectives, all the descriptives of his life and says, if anyone has a reason to boast by birth or by choice, I do. Then notice what he does, what, 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 what he says next. He makes a 180 degree turn. And that is what change is all about. That is what repentance, that is what transformation, that is what a renewed mind is all about. And Paul exemplified this in this text. You see, all of that resume that he read, Hebrew of Hebrews, Pharisee, of the stock of this, oh, uh, concerning zeal, I pay, all of those resume, all of those pedigrees was before he had an encounter with Jesus. And notice the 180 degree turn in verse 7. Verse 7, Philippians chapter 3. Please put Philippians chapter 3 verse 7. Put the King James, the King James. The King James, which were. Can we read together? One, two, go. But, stop. Paul says, but. I have been married long enough to know that when but enters the conversation, everything that was said before no longer matters. Only married men will understand. <laughs> but you said we're going to be together this night. Yes, I said so, but case has closed. <laughs> He's laughing. <laughs> I've been a parent long enough to know that when I ask my children to do something and they say, but everything they said before is gone. Are you with me? Are you with me? So Paul listed all of that resume, all of that pedigree, and in verse 7 says, But what things were gained to me, those I counted loss for Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. I want you to notice that the emphasis is not on the loss. The emphasis is on the gain. Verse 7 gives us the, the conjunction, but... And now he makes a stark contrast of before and after. Before I met Christ and after I met Christ. Everything that came before he met Christ were all of those things. Hebrew of the Hebrews. Zeal. A Pharisee. 
But after Christ, I am nothing before God. Are you following me? And he wants us to focus not on what he lost, but on what he gained. Are you with me? All that resume and pedigree are not worthless on their own, but they were worthless compared to knowing Christ. This is not to downplay culture. Not downplaying your ethnicity. I'm an Igbo Christian. Not downplaying your pedigree or your exposure. Not downplaying your point of view. Not downplaying whatever you have accomplished in life. No. You should be proud of who you are. You should be proud of where you came from. You should be proud of your pedigree. And that degree. Make that money. Marry that person. Accomplish those goals. But... Never forget, it is worthless compared to Christ. Am I making sense? Paul used the word rubbish. Paul was literally saying, everything in my life, everything I have accomplished compared to Jesus and my relationship with him is what? Rubbish. Nothing in my life compares to knowing Jesus. And that's what happens at the feet of Jesus. When you come to Jesus, everything changes. Change from self-pursuit to Christ-pursuit. From selfishness to selflessness from being a taker to being a servant the arrogant begins to hunger for humility that is what happens when you come to the feet of Jesus there is a change and that is the change we see in Paul in Christ alone will I glory. Not in my accomplishments, not in my pedigree, not in my connections, but in Christ alone. You know, just like the believers in Antioch, the word Christian should describe everything about you, should describe everything about me should describe everything about us. Because of what? Because of him. So, brethren, the admonition from Paul here in the book of Philippians chapter 3 is guard your faith. Guard your faith. A lot of us are living on guarded lives. You consume anything that comes your way. Guard your faith. 
Not everyone who says he's a man of God is a man of God. Guard your faith. Guard what you take in. Scrutinize it in the light of God's word. Be a Berean Christian. Interrogate what you hear. Guard your faith. His next admonition to us is, whatever happens, what does whatever means? Whatever. Whatever means what? Whatever. Whatever happens, rejoice in the Lord. Don't lose your joy. The alternative to joy is depression. Depression leads you to a rabbit hole of suicide. There's so, so much that God has planned for you, for your future. And the devil has seen that. So what does he want to do? He wants to slow you down from getting to that future. You are created for greatness. God is just waiting for you to turn that curve and begin on your journey of greatness. Faith comes by hearing. You are either hearing God's word or the devil's word. Don't listen to the devil. Listen to the word of God. And the last admonition for us is check your identity. Your identity in Christ comes first before any other identity. There's nothing wrong with living an accomplished life. But always remember that whatever things you have accomplished in comparison to your relationship with Christ, they come to what? Nothing. That is why a doctor of mathematics will put that down and turn to God without any mention of that degree when you want to call his name, without any need to use that prefix when you want to address him. Are we making sense this morning? Let us understand who we are. Know who you are. When you come to the feet of Jesus, things must change. And may that be our portion in the mighty name of Jesus. Shall we rise? We're going to pray, but before we pray, I want to ask, is there anyone here who is saying, I want to surrender my life to Jesus? The true meaning of my life, I want it to begin from today because it comes from knowing Jesus. Your true identity is revealed in Christ. Is there anyone who's saying, I want to begin that journey this morning? Is there anyone? Is there anyone? Okay, we're going to pray.
I want you to say, Lord, help me to safeguard my faith. Help me to protect my faith. Help me to be sensitive to all that are around me, that I may guard my faith. Talk to him. Lord, help me. We all need help. Because sometimes the difference between white and off-white is very thin. We all need the help of God to be discerning. Lord, give me discernment. Help me, O God, to safeguard my faith. Help me, O God. Help me, Father, on this journey. Because once my faith is wrecked, Lord God, it may not be possible for me to make it. Make it through destiny. Make it through eternity. Lord, help me to safeguard my faith. Help me, O Lord. Help me. Help me to safeguard my faith. Father, in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Help me, O God, to protect my faith. In Jesus' name we pray. Whatever happens, O Lord. Say after me. Whatever whatever happens, O Lord. Help me to always rejoice. Make me to remember to always rejoice. Let's talk to God because sometimes we forget. Father, whatever happens, help me to always rejoice in you. Help me, O God. Help me to make joy a choice, Father, in the name of Jesus. Help me never to lose my joy, Father, in the name of Jesus. Because true protection of our faith comes in always being in joy. Father, whatever happens, whatever, help me to always rejoice. Help me, Lord. Help me, Lord. Help me to always rejoice. Father, in the name of Jesus. And so shall it be. In Jesus' name. Our amen is so weak. Okay, because it is weak, we'll take one more prayer. Father, the grace to count everything as loss in order to gain you, let it rest upon me in the mighty name of Jesus. The grace and the wisdom to count everything as loss in order to gain you, let that grace rest upon me. Let that grace rest upon me. Let that grace rest upon me. It is a grace that seeks to put you first. In every situation and circumstance, I find myself, whether in circumstances of joy, in circumstances of plenty, or in circumstances of lack, Father, give me that grace to count everything as loss in order to gain you in my life, in the mighty name of Jesus. Give me the grace, O Lord. Give me the grace, Father. Thank you, Father. I receive that grace by faith. In Jesus' mighty name, we have prayed. Amen. Almighty Father, we bless you. As a church, O God, because we know we live in uncertain times. We live in a world, O oh God, that is totally blemished. Lord, we ask you, O oh Lord, for grace, for help, 
to guard our faiths, to always rejoice in you, to always know our identity in you, and to count everything, O oh Lord, we have as loss in order to be able to gain you. Let nothing be too much for us to give up for your name's sake. Thank you, Father Lord. In Jesus' mighty name, we have prayed. Hallelujah. If you are worshipping with us for the first time, this is your first time of worshipping with us. Please, can you just wave your hand? If this is your first time, thank you, my sister. Thank you very, very much. Uh, can you be upstanding so that we can properly acknowledge your being with us? We are so glad that you came to fellowship with us today. It is our fervent belief that your coming in here today, at least, has not been by accident. That there is a reason why God ordered your steps into this place. And it is our sincere hope that whatever that reason is, uh, before you step out of this place today, it would have been accomplished in the name of Jesus. So you are welcome. This is the redeemed Christian Church of God, fountain of living waters. Uh, we meet here every Sunday at 9 a.m. But before the 9 a.m., we have Sunday school at 8.30. As a matter of fact, we usually say, our church and our Sunday service begins with our Sunday school. So we meet here at 8.30 on Sundays. Uh, we usually, we used to meet uh, just for, but for the COVID-19 issue on Tuesdays for our midweek services uh, by 6.30. Uh, but for now, it's been suspended until uh, the situation gets a bit better. Okay, so um, we have a platform, a WhatsApp platform, should you, for any reason, or by any chance, say, oh, well, this is the church, I want to belong to it. We have a WhatsApp platform where we post information, make announcements, and uh, sometimes we edify ourselves by posting messages there. And so if you would want to be a part of that, um, a card has been handed over to you. Um, fill it and uh, please give your WhatsApp number. If you have a WhatsApp number that you use for WhatsApp to this brother here, uh, give him at the end of the service uh, so that he can add you to the platform so that you can receive our messages and information. God bless you. Thank you for coming. Uh, I pray that your day will be blessed and I pray that all your prayers, God will answer them in Jesus' name. You may be seated. Welcome. Thank you. God bless you. good work. We'll be faithful to complete Hallelujah. Shall we rise? Father, we thank you for today. For all you have done for us. We thank you for our fellowship. We thank you for your word. We thank you for our prepared hearts. We thank you for the seed that has been sown into those hearts, into our hearts. Lord, let our hearts, let those seeds bear fruit to the praise and to the glory of your name. As we go to our homes, go with us, or wherever we are going to, be with us. 